And just before the message this morning, we're going to have a special in song. And so listen closely and let it prepare your heart for the message. Chapter 3, we'll get there in just a moment. How many of you are familiar with what today is? Uh, It is Veterans Day. Uh, It's a day that has been chosen in this country to remember those that have served in our armed forces. Uh, Originally, it was known as Armistice Day because this was the anniversary that the treaty uh, was signed that ended World War I. Uh, Of course, when they ended World War I, they thought that was the last war that would ever be fought. Unfortunately, the the seeds of the next war was sown in the peace treaty that was signed on this day. And uh, it has been enlarged to uh, commemorate those that have served in in, uh, many, many different battles and many different fields of service. Uh, I like what Colin Powell said once. He said, Americans have served on every continent all over the world. We have fought battles to free others, and the only thing that we've asked, the only ground that we've ever taken, is that which was necessary to bury our dead. Uh, I'll tell you, that is a history that no other country in the world can claim. And uh, I am still glad to be an American. And by the way, this past election was not a repudiation of the values and of the truths that built this America. But I want you to look at the look at the uh, the vote. It was forty nine and a half to forty nine and a half. I mean, there were less than two million votes separating the two. But what it does tell us is. I I grew up believing there was a silent majority of Americans who were moral and and one of these things. And when I was a child, that was true of this nation. It's no longer true. And uh, if we do not take the message, by the way, the answer is not in the White House. It's here. It's individual Americans understanding that what made this country great was moral character. And what has destroyed this country is the lack of moral character. And what is its only hope is a return to that. Now, you know what? When we moved here 20 years ago to see the Open Door Bible Baptist Church of Astoria started, I'd often have preachers say, how in the world do you plan on winning New York City? I said, well, I don't plan because cities can't be won. Only souls can. It's one at a time. And what we need to do is serve the Lord where we are. Now, I wish, uh, sometimes I wish we could take our time on Sunday morning and, and just give a simple history lesson because there is one thing that most people who live in this country do not understand, and that is American history. Uh, it, it is filled. I mean, I, I'm not trying to put down any other people group or any other 
uh, nation, but I do not know of a nation that has more unbelievable stories than this country does. I was just checking the news yesterday, and and I was flipping through articles uh, on the Internet there, and it talked about... uh, Uh, a little cemetery that overlooks I-75 just outside of Macon, Georgia. And what made that cemetery special was there was a man who had served in Vietnam. He had been awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for his heroism. And this little cemetery had fallen into disrepair and no one had taken care of it. Many of the tombstones were cracked and sinking in the ground. In fact, the, the marker on his grave, you couldn't even find it until much work had been done to clear the overgrowth. And, and uh, fortunately, one of the men that had served with this man in Vietnam, he earned his Congressional Medal of Honor posthumously. That means... He died to earn it. One of the men, sergeants that had served with him over there had remembered and went back and got a group of people and they cleaned the place up. And now if you drive down I-75, if you'll look up on the hill, you'll see a monument saying uh, USMC and there's a United States Marine Corps and there's a little plaque there Uh, that says Congressional Medal of Honor, and they put quite a monument to this man who gave his life to save his friends. I'll tell you what. It's just one, one story. I could tell you stories until next Sunday morning. I could get out the history books and read, and, and, and we would... Uh, we would be missing people because for every one person that we know about, there are many that history will never record their story. I'll tell you, the unsung heroes, uh, if, if you are interested at all, you need to read the book 1776 by uh, Mr. McCullough. It's The thesis or the the general theme of his book is simply this, that the entire success of the American Revolution hung on the personal and physical endurance of a man named George Washington. He proves his point. Because when everybody else had given up, George Washington never did. And don't believe these, uh, the only thing I know to call them is garbage heads today that said, well, of course the patriots fought because if they didn't, they would all be hung and, and, and so they were fighting for their life. That, that is not true. These men were fighting for freedom. They were fighting for principles much larger than themselves. And one of the problems that we face today is we live in in what has been called the me generation. There is no more understanding that the way I live affects those around me. If you have any question about that, just go get in line to try to get some gas. 
Isn't that true? When the founders of this country put together a document called the Declaration of Independence, it talked about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's not the pursuit of hedonism, my friend. That is not just doing what makes you feel good. We had two states that legalized recreational use of marijuana. Uh, just another list. Uh, anybody here uh, remember the Marijuana Reform Party in New York? I'll tell you what. I worked for the Board of Elections, and we were counting things, and, and we sent a voter's guide several years ago. Uh, just review the pictures for the Marijuana Reform Party. It was hilarious. If anybody believed what they preached, they did. But I, I'll tell you, when you choose to check out of reality, you affect others around you. It destroys the fabric of our nation. There was a time when it was only the lowest dregs of human society that engaged in that kind of stuff. Now it's something our mayor, our president, most members of Congress... It's socially acceptable. Does that make it right? No, it just tells you how far we have come. And it's not in the right direction, my friend. But today is a day that we honor those. If you do not know the story of Sergeant York from World War One, by the way, don't just watch the movie. Uh, it only tells a small portion. Sergeant York was a Bible-believing Christian. In fact, when he, retired, when he got back from the war, he became a preacher and sought establishing churches up in the rural mountains of North Carolina and Tennessee where down in that Asheville area where he was from. I'll tell you what, his single action decided the course of an entire battle. Just one man. When his superiors were told of what he had done, no one believed them. They thought they had made the story up until they went back and they trace through the entire circumstances of that day, single-handedly captured 132 German soldiers, wiped out several machine gun nests, all by himself. Amazing man. But what I would like us to remember most this morning, in the title of our message is in the service of the king. It is honorable to serve in a right and just cause. And we, we haven't done this yet. We ought to do it right now. 
do we have anyone here that has served in the United States military? If you would just stand that we could give you a, a little bit of recognition for that. Do we have anyone here today? Yeah, we got a couple. I knew we had some. Anyone else? Now, when you want to praise the Lord, you say amen. When you want to give appreciation to another human being, you can clap your hands. Amen. And That's something that ought to be done. And you know what? It doesn't hurt when you see one of those old elderly people with the little uh, World War II cap on. Not very many of those guys left. Say thank you. That's all you got to do. Just say thank you. You see someone with a Vietnam cap or uh, Iraqi freedom or any of those things, just say thank you. It is their sacrifice that allows us the freedom to meet here today. And we, we want to, uh, uh, the Bible says, honor to whom honor. And they certainly deserve our honor. Amen? But the, um, the transition here is that oftentimes great feats about valor are not really understood or even recognized until years after the battle's been fought. You see, there's a group of men in the Pentagon whose job is to review everything that happens in a battle and to take stories, and, and they're actually looking for these extraordinary, unbelievable feats and exploits of human bravery because it encourages others to do the same. But I, I want you to understand something. God never misses a battle. And here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we are explained, it is explained to us by the Apostle Paul, God's review process, if we might look at it that way, how that God looks at the lives of those who are Christians, oftentimes when I'm in preacher's meetings, someone will say, uh, let's have all those in full-time service stand up. Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a Christian, you're in full-time service because you ought not be a part-time Christian. Amen? Uh, being a servant of Jesus Christ is full-time. Uh, some of us have the privilege of earning our livelihood serving the Lord, and, and that in itself is a great honor. But as we look at this today, we start in verse 9. It says, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. Verse 10, According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, 
stubble. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise that are vain. Therefore, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul, or Apollos, or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God's. As we look at this passage today, there are some things in here. The Bible says that we are laborers together with God, that God has given us a purpose. If you are saved today, if you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, he has called you to work with him. And of course, that work is accomplished through the body of Christ, which is the local church. That's how we serve the Lord. I've met a few what I call Lone Ranger Christians over the years. Uh, they operate on their own. They come in, well, let me, preacher, let me solve all the problems in your church. And my first thought is, you could solve the biggest one very easily. Leave. You see, it doesn't take much to make everything look right today. How many of you have a desk where you work? Have they invented a self-cleaning desk yet? You know what happens? You get it all cleaned up and everything is good. Then Peter brings the mail in. Time to start all over again. I used to do a lot of mechanical work before I became a preacher, and you know what? They don't have self-cleaning tools either. I mean, if that socket's going to get put back where it was so you don't lose it, you're going to have to do it. It is a constant daily process. You know, anybody can show up and look good on a specific day or in a special event. That's not what God's talking about. He said we are laborers together with God. Can I ask you a question? Has God stopped working? Does God take vacations? When you pray, does he say, hey, let me get back to you in just a little bit. I'm out uh, on the last nine here. And as soon as I finish, uh, I'll get back to you. That's not the God of this Bible. He is always working. He has always been working. And he says, I want you 
Well, I shouldn't say I want you. God says I expect you. It is the natural result of your relationship with me to work with me. And so Paul goes on and he said, I've laid a careful foundation. Now what Paul's talking about there is salvation. You know, some people believe that a relationship with God can be according to your choice. Well, me and the man upstairs, we're okay. Well, I'll tell you what, you're not, because if you were, you wouldn't call him the man upstairs. He is the God of heaven. But you see, preacher, that's your way. No, it's not my way. It doesn't belong to me. It's in the word of God. And I've had so many people over the years say, but that's your interpretation Or that's just the Baptist way of doing things. Uh, I'll tell you, I am glad that I can tell you an independent Baptist church goes to the Bible first. That's where our doctrine comes from. Now, of course, everybody says that. Because if they didn't, would you believe them? I mean, if that friendly Jehovah's Witness that knocked on your door came up and said, you know, our religion was founded by Judge Russell because nobody really believed what he believed before he believed it and wrote it down for us. But now we've rejected about 85 to 90 percent of what he teaches because we have a group of men down in the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society in Brooklyn and they determine what we believe. Now, how many of you want to sign up? They're not going to tell you that. They're going to say, well, we believe the Bible too, but you have to have our book to understand it. I was trying to witness to a fellow on the street, and he says, well, I'm from from Senegal. And we begin to talk a little bit, and he said, well, I'm a Muslim. And he said, that's that's what I believe. He said, but I, I believe you're right, and I believe I'm right, and... I, I said, but you don't, you don't believe what we believe. He says, well, I believe in Jesus. You believe in Jesus, right? I said, yes, sir, we believe Jesus is the Savior. And, and he says, well, I believe in Jesus. I said, you don't believe like we do. He looked at me kind of, oh, you believe he's God, don't you? I said, yeah, we do. Because the Bible says so. And then he goes, oh, yeah, you don't believe about Jesus like I do. You see, there's only one foundation that can be laid, and that is Jesus Christ. No church died on the cross for your sins. Jesus did. No organization got together and decided what Jesus would do. God decided before the foundation of the earth that he himself would come and become a man. That's what Emmanuel means. God with us, and he would die in our place. Jesus is God. God the Father is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. 
And these three are one. And if you can explain it, you'd be as smart as God is. You're not. So let God be a little bigger than your brain. Amen? The foundation that is laid is Jesus Christ. So my first question is today, when you want to look at your life, when you want to examine what you are doing to prepare for God's review of the troops, we might say, first question is, where are you building? What are you giving your life for? Are you giving your life, are you expending your life's energy to build a foundation upon Jesus Christ? You say, well, how can I do that? That sounds so nice, but in the real world, how, how do I build a foundation on Jesus Christ? Well, it's, it's very simple. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, always, even unto the end of the world. That's how we build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. How did you get saved? If you are saved today, if you have Bible salvation, the life that Jesus gives, you only get it one way. The Bible calls it repentance. Repentance is not simply being sorry for my sin. Repentance is picking up the load of my sin and ceasing to try to do something about it myself and bringing that mess before a holy God. How many of you have ever had something, maybe the old, does anybody remember the old typewriters with the ribbons in them? (laughs) How many of you have ever tangled one of those things up? And I mean twisted and turned and I mean nothing was working and finally you had to boss I messed things up really bad. Can you help me? And you go back a little ways. Those typewriter ribbons were expensive. And they were also, I mean, you would re-ink them sometimes. And, I mean, it was quite quite a, a problem when you messed up a typewriter ribbon. You know, it's humbling when you have to take your mess before somebody to straighten it out. How many, as a little child, broke something or messed something up and you tried to hide it from your parents? And every moment you were fearing discovery because you knew it was going to happen. And you tried, and then you had to tell a little white lie to cover it up, and then a little bigger one to cover that up. And before you knew what was going on, you were telling such big whoppers that even a politician could figure out you were lying. Right? 
and you got caught. That's how you got saved now, wasn't it? So why do we try to live our life differently than the way we got saved? Not trying to be cruel here this morning, but if you'll be honest, what haven't you messed up that God's given you? We do all the time. That's why we need to build upon that one foundation, which is Jesus Christ. We got to keep going back there. We have to make life decisions based upon what Jesus has said. He has to determine our direction in our life. And somebody says, that's easy for you. You're the preacher. Hey, let me tell you something. I didn't become a preacher by accident. It was making decisions based upon the Bible. And if our church needs anything, it needs members who will do the same thing. Just simple daily decisions. I had someone years ago came to me and said, Pastor, I'm in trouble at work. My my boss asked me to lie for him and I, I told him I would only do it once. I said, you know, you've already made the mistake. You see, you were building on a foundation to try to please the boss instead of trying to please the Lord. And once you've lied, he expects you to do it again. Because every circumstance is extraordinary, right? I'm going to get in trouble. I don't want to talk to this person right now. Let me tell you something. When you build a foundation upon Jesus Christ, it means you are doing in your life the things that Jesus would have you do. You know how you start building that foundation? You get saved. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. The next step is to get baptized. The next step is when the word of God comes your way... But pastor, I've always cheated on my income taxes. Wait a minute, that's not building upon the foundation of Christ now, is it? But you don't understand, I'm just not a people person. I'm just not one of those people that can talk to other people. Join the crowd. The only people persons I know are politicians. You say, well, it's just, it's just not in me. I just don't feel, feel right about this church thing three times a week. That's ridiculous. Uh, build upon the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That's what you have to do. Now, you have to be careful how you build. So the first question is where you are building. If it's not a worthy gift to the Savior, you're not building on the right foundation. Second point, what are you building with? Paul gives us here in the book of Corinthians uh, a whole list. Gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Now, how many of you immediately see the difference between some of those items listed there as building materials? 
Gold, that's pretty cool, $1,700 an ounce. Uh, I wish I had a little more of that. How about you? Silver, still a very precious item. Precious stones. I mean, those are worth even many times more than gold and silver. Where are you supposed to get these things? Boy, that turned some heads. How many of you remember Jesus' letter to the Laodicean church in Revelation chapter 3? He said, I want you to come to me. He said, and I'll give you raiment that will cover your nakedness. Uh, I want you to buy things from me that will, that will pass the test. You see, if you're going to have the proper building materials, I doubt there's, there's a person in this room. And if there is, you fooled me for sure. They could just go down to the bank and buy them three or four of those little ounce gold coins. I don't think there's anybody here like that. We don't have that kind of money. Now, where are you going to purchase these materials to build with? Well, Jesus says, if you'll come to me, I'll give them to you. You see, the gold and the silver and the precious stones are serving God with his effort. The others are wood, hay, and stubble. Now, I'll tell you, I've seen some of these, I think it's called rice art in the Philippines, where they take the little uh, stalks of rice and the grains and they cut it all up and glue it on, uh, on a paper or something. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. But you know what? Won't go through the fire. I mean, I like wood. I'm glad I was told by the architect when we bought this building. He said, you couldn't buy pews like this if you wanted to. These are solid oak. Uh, It would cost a fortune. Unfortunately, nobody was willing to give us a fortune for them, so they're here. But wood burns. Stubble. You know what stubble is? That's the refuse. That's what's left over after everything. And you know, sometimes we're guilty of giving God the stubble. What's left over? What I have after I've already taken care of everything that's important. Oh, you know what? I got a few bucks here. I'll do without that Starbucks coffee and toss in a fiver. Man, I'll do something big this week. That's, we're not discounting. Some people are sacrificing to give that dollar. Other people, it's just stubble. It's what's left over. Well, you know, I'm really busy this week. I'll just have to skip church so I can take care of what's important. You would never say that, but we do it. That's what the stubble is. It's relegating God to what is left over. 
Now it says here that God is going to take our life that is represented by our works that we have built upon this foundation and he is going to manifest them. Now how many of you know what a manifest is? The old ships, even to this day, when you, uh, when you get on an airplane and they put you on there, the, somebody's walking up and down the aisles sometimes with this big sheaf of papers. Are you so-and-so? Okay, are you so-and-so? Uh, where is the person's... What they got is a manifest. That tells you what, who sits where. A cargo ship has a manifest. It's supposed to list every item that is in uh, uh, being transported by that ship. Well, God's going to get a manifest out. It's going to be on your life. It's got everything recorded. Then the Bible says, and here comes the scary part, and if this doesn't put a little fear in your heart as a Christian today, there's something wrong with your heart. It says... Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Now, I don't know how that's going to happen. Probably the simplest thing is God will bring your life work, and He'll just simply look at it. And everything that is combustible, will burn. Maybe you'll have an angel there with a big torch. I don't know. Somebody was preaching on this the other day. I heard him, and, and, and he said, well, you're going to put it on a conveyor belt and move it through an oven, and then what comes out on the other end? I, I don't know how God's going to get it done, but it says it's going to be revealed by fire. You know, oftentimes when a house burns down or something, what do people do? They go out and they pick through the ashes to see if they can find certain valuable things that would have abode, would have passed through the fire. Maybe the jewelry would be melted and deformed. But you know, a diamond or a ruby or an emerald or any of those precious stones, they can go through a fire. It took a lot hotter than a regular fire to make them and forge them in the earth. Now look what it says here. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, verse 14, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I don't know how anybody can read the Bible and believe that you can lose your salvation. The Bible simply says here that if your work is burned, if everything that you gave your life to goes up in smoke, you're going to suffer loss, but not the loss of your soul. It's going to be the loss on that day when we are gathered around the throne and the Bible says that they'll cast their crowns at his feet. If your life work is burned up, you'll have no crowns to cast. 
Let me tell you, in that day, you wish you'd done something. You wish you'd went to Jesus and got some of that silver and gold and precious stones. You see, the first question is, where are you building? What are you building with? And our last question is, what do you think about your building? What are you thinking about what you are building? Now, this question comes from the the next few verses here. In verse 16, it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. You know, have you ever just met somebody who thought they were just the smartest person in the room. You ever met anybody like that? I mean, we in New York have a little saying, for those of you who think you know everything, stop bothering us who do, right? The simple truth of the matter is, we look at our lives And there's not a one of us in this room unless things are just really falling apart, unless the Holy Spirit of God really has his way in your life and everything about you. There's not a one of us that look at our lives and how we're expending our life's energy and do not believe that we're doing right in the best that we can. That's why the Bible in the book of Judges said every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You don't do that which is wrong in your own eyes. You justify it somehow. Well, that's my evil invisible twin. Well, some people go that far to try to justify their wrong behavior. Let me tell you something. The Bible says right here, let no man deceive himself. If you think you're wise, if you really believe that you're getting the job done and you believe that everything is really good, you better better take notes. The red lights ought to be flashing and the sirens spinning and the flags waving. Because the moment you have confidence in yourself, you're doing exactly the opposite of what God wants you to do. That's what this passage is talking about. I've been called foolish and other things so many times, it just doesn't bother me anymore. But I'll I'll take God's foolishness over anything this world has to offer. 
I've been down the road long enough to see that doing it God's way is so far superior to the world's way. It says, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. I mean, if you've listened to any stories uh, in the 50s and 40s and 50s, they made up a lot of radio programs since that was the main means of communication. And they make up these elaborate, incredible stories. Crime does not pay. Well, it doesn't always work that way, now does it? Sometimes crime pays pretty well. Doesn't it? Talk to Al Capone. It paid very well until they got him on income tax evasion. But these people always end up destroying themselves. How many of you remember Dr. Spock? That's not the guy with pointy ears on Star Trek, by the way. He wrote a series of books in the 1960s on how to raise children. In fact, if you want to know why we have so many spoiled brats running around the world today, it's because of Dr. Spock. He said, you ought never punish a child. You ought never tell them they're wrong. Well, you know what happened to Dr. Spock? He actually had some kids of his own. When the grandkids showed up, he decided that all that wisdom that he had put forth in those books wasn't so smart anymore. You can't improve on the Word of God. You just can't do it. We've had social engineers out there trying to tell us that the only reason there's a difference between a man and a woman is because of how they were programmed as little children. Now, I think you have to go to school and get somebody to help you to be that stupid. It doesn't come naturally. You've got to be trained. Because there's a difference. And if you don't want there to be a difference, it's because you're recreating yourself in your own image. Not because you're being programmed. God programmed you. Let no man deceive himself. He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. I mean, we're going to watch what happens as a result of this election. We've been told that you can spend your way out of debt. Now, I'm going to warn you as your pastor, please don't try that at home. It'll only get you in more trouble. And you need to pray for our government. You need to pray for our country. Because you can't spend your way out of debt, my friend. You can only spend your way deeper into it. And those are terrifying things. But you know what? When you reject the wisdom of God, you'll believe anything. You even believe that you came from monkeys. I mean, you'll believe anything. 
And don't be surprised when little kids that have been trained that they came from monkeys start acting like animals. I mean, it just, it's going to happen. That's why we need to come to God and admit our foolishness and surrender to His holiness. And I'm sorry if somebody got offended at that tough because it's true. We're not here to please you because I got to give an account to God for what you do with your lives. You can get mad at God if you want. Be my guest. But I'm going to feel pity for you. Because God's going to review your life. It's going to be revealed by fire. The wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. By the way, the world thinks that we're foolish. But you cannot build upon any foundation than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus, we didn't ask him to join our church. We joined his church. That's why we were sent out from the Cleveland Baptist Church to establish this church. That's why the Newburgers are being, were commissioned by our church to start another church because we do not have the right to lay a new foundation. It's already there. We are to build upon it. If you're going to get gold, silver, and precious stones, don't reach into your wallet because there's not enough there. Don't reach into the, uh, the well of your effort. There's not enough there. You've got to come back to the same Jesus that saved you. And you buy from him the gold, the silver, and the precious stones through your obedience to his word. You know what? You might get a little silver by not laughing at the dirty jokes in the workroom tomorrow. You might get some of that gold by taking a handful of tracks and passing them out. You might get one of those precious stones by telling somebody else how to be saved the Bible way. By refusing to listen to the counsel of this world. God's going to judge. Now here's what he says at the last verses here. Therefore, verse 21, let no man glory in men, for all things are yours. I've been to too many preachers' meetings where they glory in men. It's not about men. You see, God has given you the same faith that the Apostle Peter has. Read 1 Peter chapter 1. God does not treat people differently. You see, there was a problem in this Corinthian church. They had a group of people in the church that thought Paul was the greatest guy that had ever walked. 
And other people thought Peter was a little better than Paul and they were arguing with each other. And, and then came along this Opalus guy who was somewhat of a polished speaker and an orator. And some people said, man, that's the guy I'm following. The problem was they were all preaching the same message. Well, then the pious gas bags came along and they said, we only follow Christ. The truth was, none of them were following Christ. What we need to do is get our eyes off man. You see, you can put your attention on yourself and think you're doing pretty good. You're going to be in trouble when it comes to judgment day. You can also do things in a way that will cause other people to put their attention on you. Well, let me tell you something. You're going to be in more trouble on judgment day. Or you can understand that everything that God has given you was his in the first place. And I'm going to stop trying to figure it all out. How can I serve God tomorrow? How can I serve him this afternoon? You see, it says whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And ye are Christ's. And Christ is God's. That's how we prepare. God's going to review your life. The greatest thing that you can hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I'll tell you what, I don't care what you think you've sacrificed, it'll be worth hearing those words when God reviews your life. In just a moment, we're done. What? Where are you building? What are you building with? The hardest one of all is what do you think about what you're building? What are you thinking about your life? We need to examine that in the light of the Scriptures. We need to serve God His way. We're not going to be ready on Judgment Day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. Lord, I pray that you would help us to put our eyes on you today. And Lord, that we would see the wisdom of this world for the foolishness that it is. Lord, so often, just so many examples, but Lord, most of all, let us understand that everything that's worth having belongs to you, and you want us to have it that we may serve you. 
Lord, let our lives be expended for the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Lord, I pray that not one of us here would serve you to be seen or praised of others. Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here today that thinks they've got things pretty well wrapped up and they, they really have it all put together, that they'd be able to humble themselves before a holy God and openly and honestly see the mess that is truly there. Lord, we want to be ready when you examine our lives. We ask that you would work, that you may be glorified in that day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.